Let's turn to chapter 38 in the book of Job. What I've done with the book of Job, just as a, a quick recap, because we can't go over everything we've learned so far. So I suggest that you go to, what's my website? What's my website? Thank you. If you don't know that, note now, Bible Study Week. Well, you have me with you all the time, so you don't need to go to that site. <laughs> yeah, it's not spelled. Yeah, I know Rachel keeps spelling it W-E-A-K-L-Y. <laughs> but it's W-E-E-K-L-Y and there you will find all the Bible studies if you're not familiar with this I've taught the book of John, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation and now we're doing an overview of the Bible the overview of the Bible for those of you who are new we started this class in October of 2008 we are now in the book of Job it's a very detailed study and it's just an overview however, all my notes and all the audios you see I record here every week they're there if you want to start from the beginning, we have these notes in two volumes. Volume 1 covers Genesis, I think, to 1st or 2nd Kings, somewhere around there. Volume 2 picks up at that point and continues to where we are right now in the book of Job. I strongly suggest if you want to learn this stuff that you haven't seen because you haven't been here, or if you'd like to review, go over those notes. All of the scripture, all of the sources that I reference, or most of them anyway, all of the scripture for sure, but most of the sources that I reference are embedded in the notes. And it gives you just another perspective of Scripture above and beyond what God has given you for yourselves as well. So just merge everything together the Holy Spirit gives you. So all of that to say, we can't start from the beginning. However, God has asked, is asking Job 60 very important questions. And remember, the thrust of this book, like, like we just stated in our prayer for this session, is that God is revealing himself more than anything else in this book. More than anything else, he's revealing himself. See, it's not all about Job. But we see that through suffering, God becomes closer to you. He, he became very close to Job. And there's also a promise of restoration, isn't there? We're going to see that at the end of the book. But in the middle, not only is Job suffering, but it seems like, seems like, I want to stress, seems like, God is not even sympathetic to Job's plight. God allowed it. He indeed allowed Satan to do this to him, you know the story, and yet now God, in a rapid-fire fashion, posing 60 very dart-pointed questions to Job. What are these questions about? Well, that's what we're studying here. What I attempted to do was to divide these questions into topics that God is discussing with Job. And all of this, remember, is to do what? To glorify God as he reveals himself more and more to Job. He's asking Job rhetorical questions because Job can't even answer one of them. But that's not the point. The point is God is revealing himself. And then Job is restored after that. And a very key point I want you to think about as we go along here is that at the very beginning in the book of Job, after all that happens to him very quickly, he says what? He says, what I have feared has come upon me. But at the very end of the book, which we, we shall see, he says, my ears had heard of you, God, but now my eyes see you. That's the two bookends to this book. Everything in the middle supports the growth of Job in this fact, and I want it for us as well. That's the thrust of this book, in my point of view. So, we went over these so far. We went over these portions of the questions, and they're in the notes, so if you want to study the book of Job and you want the notes with all of the comments in there, feel free to download them. Who was present at creation, Job? Of course, God makes it clear that Job was not. He talks about his creation, the sea, 
and its environs, all the things in the sea. We discussed some of those things here. And he asks Job, have you ever been to the depths of the sea? Not even modern day man has been to the depths of the sea as far as I understand. So obviously Job answers, check off that, nope. The earth and its course. Has he ever seen the earth as far as being removed from it to see how it, like clockwork works in the orbit of the solar system? How everything in the universe works like clockwork. We talked about the circle of the earth as, we, as described in scripture, which no one can possibly see the circle of the earth, which is the horizon, unless you're high up in the air. How could Job or anybody know this unless it's revealed to them or they're taken up in the air? The gates of Sheol, the other dimensions that are outside our four-dimensional time space, which we call reality, by the way, which is a matrix. It's eternity that's reality. There are dimensions outside of here. We've discussed this, what, ad nauseum in this class? It's part of the science aspect of this. By the way, modern science, as I said, is approaching to the interface of where our reality stops and eternity starts. Things get very weird. It's called quantum physics. We've talked about that. Well, here God is discussing some of these things with him. Not only the earth and its course and its environs, but also inside the earth, where we know that Sheol is. We talked about that, right? Hades, Sheol. The Abraham's bosom, which is now gone, because everybody's been brought to heaven. But there's a place for the dead, isn't there? As Christians, our place is in another place called heaven, which is interdimensional. We don't know how heaven exists or where it exists, quote-unquote where, but we know it's out of these four dimensions. And yet there's a place where the dead who will be judged are right now. And it's not hell because hell is not populated yet. We can prove that in the book of Revelation, can't we? Remember, Jesus says, I go away and I prepare a place for you. The place he's preparing for us, is it populated yet? Not really, not the finished product. Well, hell isn't either because he's preparing that place for them too. So then he talks about photonic light as the reference standard of the universe because God's Shekinah glory, he calls himself light. So he's the reference standard of eternity. When he made this creation, science knows that everything is tied to photonic light. That was Einstein's E equals MC squared theory. We're finding out more about that because light is actually slowing down. I don't know if you know that. Everything's dying because the reference standard of the universe is also slowing down until the day of redemption. The future day of the Lord and the great tribulation and Earth's atmospheric weather and regulation, talking about the jet stream. He actually mentions the jet stream, not by name, because it wasn't named the jet stream in those days, but the, the major underwater and atmospheric weather conveyance systems of the Earth. Science knows pretty much how they work today. By the way, did you know that they're breaking? So this is an, an overview of what we talk now. What we also talked about, <clears throat> we're, we're going to get into now the, the, uh, the plan of salvation. He talks about the gospel as written in the stars. Remember, we talked about that in this class. Not astrology. That's what people think in this world because it's a, a torquing of the truth. Not horoscopes. We do not believe in any of that. But we do know how astronomy works. We do know that it was God himself who named those constellations. In uh, the book of Job, you're gonna, he's going to actually mention them to Job, which was a long time before science started figuring out what the stars were doing and how they were configured. Okay? And there's others we're going to go along. So we're right now at the point where we're talking about uh, light as the reference standard. We didn't get to the future day of the Lord yet. So we're talking about light as the reference standard of the universe. So let's see. Uh, Job chapter 38, verse 19. Light as the reference standard of the physical universe. And this is what he's saying to Job very succinctly here. Job, where is the way where light dwells? 
This I'm reading out of the Amplified Version, by the way. And as for darkness, where is its abode? So you see he's separating what? Light from darkness, which is he did in Genesis, didn't he? And the real day doesn't start with the morning, does it? Does it? In Genesis, it starts with the evening, because darkness in order always comes before light. So he says, where is its abode that you may conduct it to its home? Can you channel light? Do you know how to... Are you a fiber optic thread there, Job? Can you control the wavelengths of light and may know the paths to its house? You must know since you were born then. You see how God's being facetious? Because obviously Job was not around. Only the angels were around when God created everything. Or because you are extremely old. Poor Job. <laughs> no, it hurts enough to be in his position and God's being facetious with him. How except for divine inspiration could Job have known that light does not dwell in place, but travels from far away? For light, as modern man and modern science have discovered, involves motion, which is wavelengths, right? Light only exists when it's moving. It only exists when it's moving. Traveling at 186,000 miles per second. Did you know, by the way, that it only takes eight minutes for light from the sun to reach the earth? Eight minutes. The sun is one astronomical unit away from the earth, which is about 93 million miles. Look how much light and heat from that sun, which is thousands of times larger than the earth, can conduct to the earth and, and affect the earth. Photonic light began to be studied, believe it or not, at the beginning of the 20th century. We had people who studied light before that. But at the 20th century, guess who really looked at light very seriously? as the reference standard of the universe. I mentioned him before, Albert Einstein. And other scientists around him and after him started measuring it and defining it mathematically and found that it is indeed the reference standard or the universal constant of this physical universe. Now I told you Einstein, you know, is a, probably a Jewish name. I think his, sub, I think his progeny makes bagels today. <laughs> Only kidding. Do we have an Einstein bagel? They're pretty good actually. Okay, you can stop laughing now, ha ha. <laughs> Must I be facetious with you? Were you born when I made that joke? Actually, you were. Were you born yesterday? Wake up. But Einstein knew that light, as God defines it in, in Genesis, was different. Even though he was a Jew and he wasn't really that, um, let's say, into God very much. He wasn't an export of scripture. But he knew enough to know the difference between photonic light and the Shekinah glory of God. And that helped him understand. As God is the Shekinah glory, is, is, is the reference standard of the universe, of the eternity, so is light, physical light, photonic light, and that helped, of the universe here, and that helped him understand these things a little, a little more. God, the creator of light, reveals that it moves along paths. You know, light can be conducted in waves. That's how it travels, right? And then, of course, we have modern day fiber optics, which conducts light through paths, reflecting in, inside a fiber optic cable. We do a lot with light these days, don't we? So through questions 14 through 17, which is what we just asked you, the Lord reveals that light, light is an energy and it can even be bound and confined to certain paths. The most directed, in my opinion, is the laser. That's the most directed. Look at the quote-unquote miracles that can be done with laser tech. LASIK, man. I'm seeing you. I'm looking at you. We had LASIK this uh, past year, last year. It's amazing what lasers can do. That's the most focused that we can achieve as far as I know, in light. So we know that we can channel it, we can focus it. Laser light is arranged in such a way that it's, it is spatially coherent, meaning that the laser can be focused into extremely narrow paths which give bursts of heat, 
very measured, very precise. It's because light is radiation. That's why you have radiation treatments which are very targeted these days, right? Same thing with light. Light is radiation. It only exists as it moves in wavelengths. God is the master and creator of all light and chides Job, and by the way, extension, by extension, us as well, even in the current day modern technology that we all don't understand very well, but we do know lasers, we do know light, we do know that what we do with light. He's telling us that we can't fully understand the marvel of light, but we can understand more and more how it equates to being the reference standard of this universe and shows his glory. And yet he asks Job all about it, right? Let's move down to verse 22 in chapter uh, 38. This is the future day of the Lord in the great tribulation. He's revealing something here to Job, isn't he? Not only about himself, about his plan. So he says here in, in verse 22, in that context, Have you entered into the treasuries of the snow, or have you seen the treasuries of the hail? Now, treasuries, remember, he's talking about a storeroom, right? Sort of in this context, you will see, which he says here in verse 23, which I have reserved for the time of trouble, not the times of trouble, not for a time of trouble, but for the time of trouble. What do you think God is referencing here? Revelation. Right, the tribulation. Absolutely. This is a long time ago, folks. So you see, God is asking Job questions that span this thing that we call time talked a lot about it in this class and we're going to keep talking about time because time is a physical property to God outside of these four dimensions the fourth dimension of which is time itself right he can see any point on the timeline he's teaching Job some things and you notice how he's questioning here from the beginning of the timeline where were you Job when I created which was the very beginning to do you know what I have planned at the end of what you Job see as a linear path moment by moment by moment by moment, which Job won't even be living at that time, and he's up in heaven, but you get what he's doing here. God is covering the expanse of time from its creation to the point in time when this dispensation is ended and we move back out into the physical, I mean, into the physical, out of the physical into the eternity, into eternity, whatever that is for us, we don't know, we're looking through a glass darkly. So there's a lot here in these couple of questions. The treasuries of the snow and the treasuries of the hail here, in questions 18 through 20, we get a brief glimpse of the future time of judgment when the weather system rages. We know what's starting to happen now, right? We're so close now. It's all the news these days about how things are going berserk in this world as far as weather and other things go. And it turns into upheaval and then war ravages the planet. I'm just going to read this to you. Stay where you are. This is Revelation chapter 16 and verse 21 from the Amplified Version. Now, we were just talking about the context of the treasuries, which God is storing hail, right? You know how God is going to use hail in the judgment. He's done it before. And great, exceedingly oppressive hailstones, as heavy as a talent, between 50 and 60 pounds each, of immense size. Yeah, I'd say that's immense fell from the sky on the people, and men blasphemed God for the plague of the hail. So very great was the torture of that plague. So here we see in the book of Revelation, just like Diane mentioned, God opening the treasuries of the hail, if you will. It's metaphoric, but you see where he's going with this. Yet he's now, he's going to use these to help along in this judgment. We just saw that in the book of Revelation. By the way, has this happened yet? It has not. It's coming soon. But we also see the disturbed weather patterns now. Yet at Job, he's talking about these things as if they're already being planned. He's got a storehouse. 
with his hail. Let's go sort of like a weapons depot. At that point in time, he's telling Job, I'm getting ready. Do you know that? God informed Job some 1,500 years before he even sent Jesus that there was a sure day, a sure day of the Lord, which Jesus himself names the Great Tribulation in Matthew 24 as he talks about it in verses 1 through 31. It is astonishing that God allowed Job, even before him, Enoch. Remember the book of Enoch I've mentioned here? Let's talk about the book of Enoch. Now, we do not hold, I'll say this every time I reference the Apocrypha or any other extra-biblical scripture from Jewish writings or anything else. Make no mistake, we do not hold any of this on par with scripture by any standard. Okay? But what we can do and what we should do is reference it as history and see what these men wrote. And not only these men, but others as well. And I have a nice book with the book of Jasher in it and others that I just actually got because I have the book of Enoch already. And there's a ways of trying to determine because some of this got polluted down in time because it is not scripture, so we know it's not infallible. But you have to understand, the more you understand about the characters, like there are a couple of Enochs in history, right? But the seventh from Adam is the one we're talking about. And you, a couple of you have already read the book of Enoch or at least have a copy of it. Uh, the R.H. Charles edition is the most reliable from what I understand. But let's look at something here. Yeah, we're going to look at that actually in a minute. But just think of Enoch, because I'm going to read some of that for you in a minute. Okay? But we're going to talk more about, about some of these questions which leads into the book of Enoch, of what he has to say about this. It's actually the section of the book of Enoch called Astronomical Secrets, which God revealed to him. You're going to be amazed at what I'm going to read you from the book of Enoch. But let's continue now. So we just talked with Job is, is being asked about the future day of the Lord and the hailstone. We just proved that God has already planned this and tells us, Job, do you know what I'm going to plan? Have you, are you, can you, do you know where I keep my weapons that are ready, ready at that time for the great day of the Lord, the great and terrible day of the Lord, which is coming probably very soon now? Job chapter 38, verse 24, the atmospheric and weather regulation. Atmospheric and weather regulation, the jet stream. Okay, we well, you know what the jet stream is today. It's the, it's the, it's the weather conveyor system in the um, atmosphere. And the Gulf Stream is the major weather conveyor system that runs through the oceans. Both of them, like I said, are failing, but they are still working at this point. So in verse 24, he says, By what way is the light distributed or the east wind spread over the earth? What You see what he says when he says the east wind spread over the earth? He's talking about propagating weather patterns. That's what he's saying. This earth would not function without weather, would it? It would not. We see how it functions when weather goes awry. It's either way. It has to be in balance. So he says here in verse 25, who has prepared a channel for the torrents of rain? A channel, a path, a predetermined area that's bounded by something. You ever watch motion to the motion of the jet stream? You ever see it? It usually runs pretty much the same all the time. It varies, but there's almost like it's in a path, a predetermined channel, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Who has prepared a channel for the torrents of rain or a path for the thunderbolt to cause it to rain on the uninhabited land and on the desert where no man lives, to satisfy the waste and desolate ground and to cause the tender grass to spring forth? Has the rain a father or who has begotten the drops of dew? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who has given it birth? The waters are congealed like stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Do you see what he's saying here? He's talking about the weather conveyance systems and how he keeps them all in balance. There's a path 
there's a rhyme and reason to all of this. And by the way, he promised, and you know, that as the end times were coming, these things were going to get upset, right? The light of the sun strikes the earth, which is, which is revolving around the sun. It revolves from east to west, so you know how we, we talked about the earth's orbit, right? So he begins, by which way is the light distributed? He's talking about the sun. And the sun heats the earth, and we also have x-rays and gamma rays and all of these part part waves and particulates that come from the sun. Well, radiation is really what it is. To heat the earth at the right places at the right time to keep these conveyances in their channels. You see how everything's in perfect balance? That's what I'm talking about here. I mean, that's what he's talking about here. This, he's revealing these things to Job. The rotation causes the east wind, as mentioned in the passage of Job above. This, affects, this effect produces a wave of warming air, which continually flows around the equator from east to west. This is the jet stream. And there's more of it. Job has also asked a number of rhetorical questions about the origin of the rain, the dew, and the ice, all of which are observed as the result of the self-regulating atmospheric changes. By the way, they're self-regulating because God just keeps everything in balance, right? God reminds Job that these are not self-regulating, but only under God's continuous, continuous guidance and control. I'm going to read you an excerpt from the book of Enoch, chapter 41. It's called Astronomical Secrets. I want you to now just think about what I just said. That God is revealing some, what I would say, scientific fact, but it's really not scientific fact, it's just operational fact, right? These things do function. And it's the, the miracle is in, is in their function. You know, God, we say God can do anything. Well, He can. But it's in the way He does it that shows you His personality. That shows you, I mean, can God create weather just as He feels like it? Does He need a, a weather system? Does He need a jet stream? Does He need to have all of these things in balance all the time? When He can just, by fiat, speak something and it's done. So to me, personally, in that context, just the fact that God uses his creative genius to construct or, or to contrive all of these intricate systems that must work in balance shows me more about his personality than just the fact that he can do something by fiat. I see how God cares intricately for his creation because of the way he makes it tick. That's my point of view. And I think that's what he's showing us here. Because God doesn't need any of this to continually be in balance. He can just speak it and it does whenever he wants it. Rain here, don't rain there. Do this, don't do that. Snow here, don't, right? We think of God like that. But I think what this shows us is to think of God as more of a creative genius with process and flow. That's the miracle of the mind of God. That's how, every, look at your bodies. Look at how all of these organs work and all of these enzymes and all of these proteins and all of these, these things that we have no clue. And modern science has marveled more than ever about how our bodies work. Why? When he created angels, they don't work like our bodies. But he created us out of the dust of the ground, which makes us relatively worthless, money-wise, right? But look at how everything works. And look at how things go when things don't work right. And look how he has enabled the mind of man, made in the image of God, to create process and flow to create medical procedure to fix these things. When God, by fiat, can just say, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. Most of the time, he doesn't do that. He lets the medicine, he blesses the eyes and the ears and the hands of a surgeon. This is the miracle of God to me. This shows the mind and heart of God. You see what I'm saying? This is what I get out of this. All right, let me read from, from um, the book of Enoch, chapter 41. This is Enoch now, the seventh from Adam. God is taking him on a whirlwind tour of the earth, and above the earth, and inside the earth. What? 
What's so funny? Oh, oh, I, you can get it on my website if you go to my notes. Oh! Oh, no, 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 there's no Book of Enoch in the, in the Bible. Like I was saying, but I'm, glad, I'm glad we talked about that because like I just said, and please make sure we all understand this, we do not hold these, the Apocrypha or any other of these extra-biblical writings as anywhere near Scripture in authority and infallibility. Get that, okay? But when I read this, I just want you to understand what he wrote and think about it, how it agrees and amplifies what we know is true in Scripture, what we just read. That's the point, okay? That's the point. And there mine eyes saw the secrets of the lightning and of the thunder and of the secrets of the wind and how they are divided to blow over the earth. Now, this is the seventh from Adam. He has no technology yet, folks. Man has only been on the earth for a few hundred years here, right? So think of what he is telling us. And the secrets of the clouds and the dew, and there I saw from whence they proceed in that place and from whence they saturate the dusty earth. And there I saw closed chambers out of which the winds are divided, the chambers of the hail and the winds and the chambers of the mist and the clouds and the clouds thereof hovers over the earth from, be from the beginning or the, at some start point of the world. And I saw the chambers of the sun and the moon. He's talking about, you know, when you hear in, in scripture, there's a metaphor of when he proceedeth out of his chamber, right? It means something's starting to do something or someone is starting to do something. So when you're in your chamber, it's sort of like you're not doing what you're doing yet. You're preparing, like you're getting ready to go somewhere. Like your bedroom, when you finally proceed out of your bedroom and out of your house, then you're ready to affect something. This is the context here, because you've heard of this in Scripture, right? When he proceedeth out of his chamber, or when he riseth up, that means he's ready to do something, okay? So he's talking about the sun and the moon and these things in their course as they begin their path, or they begin their cycle, which God ordained. You, know, you get what I'm saying here? Okay. So that's what he's talking about. And so I saw the chambers of the sun and the moon from whence they proceed and where they come again. You see, they leave the chamber, they do their work, and they come back. It's sort of like you go leave house, you leave your house, you go to work, and you come back. This is what he's talking about. He's talking about the work of the things that God has created to sustain the earth. And it's a miracle to him because he's seeing this from some vantage point that we do not understand. Because he had no rockets, he had no satellites, right? He had no college, no university with all these science teachers. Uh, let's see, the chamber of the hand, okay, um, the sun and the moon, and how one is superior to the other, the sun being superior to the moon, and their stately orbit, and how they do not leave their orbit like the clockwork of the universe. You see what he's talking about here? And how they do not leave their orbit, and how they add nothing to their orbit, and yet they take nothing away from it. There is no variance in the clockwork of the universe. But you see, my point is this. What God said, when the men's hearts will fail them for fear, what is the context of that? Does anybody know when God says things will start happening that will have men's hearts fail them for fear? What would make your heart fear more than maybe one morning the sun not coming up? Or two suns in the sky? What will make your heart fail for fear more than snow or deep, deep frost in the summer here? Huh? What will make your heart, not you as Christians, but you see what I'm saying, if you're not prepared, even as a Christian, it's the clockwork of the universe that when it suddenly changes, and God says, just before, not during, because this is what Scripture says, just before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall turn to blood. 
We are going to see such maladies in the normal order of things that men's hearts will fail them for fear. Do you see what I'm talking about? So Enoch is making it clear here, just as we saw God, you see, comparing the two. This is amplifying what God just said to Job, right? I have control over it all, and I make it work like clockwork. That's what he's saying here. They do not leave their orbit, they add nothing to it, nor do they take anything away from it, and they keep faith with each other. You notice how we have a lunar eclipses and solar eclipses, and they're always timed. You can predict them centuries ahead because we know that the sun and the moon keep faith with each other as the greater and the lesser lights. We are at a vantage point in this, in this Milky Way galaxy, in the solar system, where God has specially placed this planet and its environs and all of the mass in the universe. All of the mass is for one thing and one thing only right now. And that is to support life on this planet as we know it. If any balance of any element or anything, any force in the universe, the forces of nature, the physical universe, even move like in, in the thousands of percents for any length of time, life would be impossible as we know it on this planet. Do you realize that? You must realize that. The miracle is the process and the flow and the procedure and the things that God has created and the clockwork by which he makes it run. That's the mind of God. And that's, how, that's why it says, in my opinion, in Psalms, the glory of God is displayed in all of the universe. It's not just the stars. It's not all of that. Of course, it's all of that is the summation of everything he built. It only exists because the mind of God designed how it works. It's how it works that, to me, is the amazing thing. Do you get it? That's what he's saying here. I think that's, what, that's why this is being laid out for us. That's why no one can, no one, like in the book of Romans, no one can say that they cannot believe that a God, a single creator, with a mind and character and a heart and a purpose, created all of this. Look at the heavens. Look at around you. The beauty of nature is because look at how things are built to be formed and to grow and, and how you have the beauty of a sperm and an egg or even a flower like Jesus said. Look at a daisy. When one of these grows, it's more beautiful, and yet it's, it's destined to be burned in the fire because there's a process and a flow and everything. But look, you ever see how things are created? You look at DNA, you look at all of these things, and then the, the course of the universe which supports all of this. That's the beauty. At first the sun goes forth and traverses his path according to the commandment of the Lord and spirits, the Lord of spirits rather, and mighty is his name forever and ever. And after that I saw the hidden and the, and the visible path of the moon, and she accomplishes the course of her path in that place by day and by night, the one holding a position opposite to the other before the Lord of spirits. And they give thanks and praise and, not, and rest not, even God's creation praises him. Right? That's what Enoch is saying here. For unto them is their thanksgiving rest. For the sun changes often for a blessing or a cause, uh, or a course, and the course of the path of the moon is light to the righteous, and darkness to the sinners in the name of the Lord. Who made a separation between the light and the darkness, and divided the spirits of men, and strengthened the spirit of the righteous in the name of his righteousness? For no angel hinders, and no power is able to hinder. For he, God, appoints a judge for them, and all, and he judges them all before him. Would you say there's any error in that, by the way? Would you say there's a bit of error in just what I just read you? Yes or no? So we know that somebody wrote this of many, 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 many centuries ago who knew the mechanics here and blessed the God of all creation and of everything for it. This is not a lie. 
This is something that we can look to to amplify Scripture, right? Didn't we just amplify what, Job, what God basically asked Job? We can answer better than Job because we have these writings and because we have modern-day science. So if God asked you these questions, you could say, well, God, I just can submit that I know how the jet stream works and I know how light travels and I know about wavelengths and I, and I know how the sun and the moon rotate because maybe I've read something from NASA. You see what I'm saying? We are educated more now, which proves God more than even Job could prove him, and yet Job totally believed in God and could not answer one of these questions. We have a better shot at answering some of these questions than Job did, is what I'm saying, right? Enoch had a great shot at answering these questions, and he was way before Job. Right? Maybe Job also read the book of Enoch, too. I don't know. The next thing. The plan of salvation, the gospel written in the stars. Job chapter 38, verse 31. Can you bind the chains of the cluster of stars called the Pleiades? Anybody hear the Pleiades? Some of our most interesting quote-unquote aliens come from where these days? You ever hear of this? Yes, I'm telling you. These aliens who... Planet, you're saying? Well, the Pleiades is a star system way many, many light years away. Now, see, the aliens they used to say used to, to themselves used to say they came from Mars. If you haven't been in this class, it sounds strange to you. Ask your neighbor. But there's no such thing as aliens. There are demons, right? And, they, and Satan, and they, they're doing all, they're liars. There are many people who see these things and have been interacting with these things who think that they're aliens from other planets and so forth. It's demon play. And by the way, this is, one, this is yet another thing that's going to turn men's hearts for fear when the big UFO comes. I'm telling you. You don't, if you haven't studied this, you do not know what's going on. And everybody, or some people can look at me, and I do. I get people looking at me cross-eyed. Like, what have you been drinking? I've been drinking the water, not the Kool-Aid. Let me tell you, this is the truth. There's document upon document upon document upon document upon document that, especially nowadays with technology, multiple sightings of people seeing and hearing and doing and being abducted and all that stuff. Just be assured, cattle mutilations, these things don't lie. You know when there's a cattle mutilation, there's no blood? No blood, not a drop of blood in that carcass. Animals, wild animals, will not touch the carcass. They have found that the brain has been removed without a cranial intrusion or the heart's been removed and some of them without the pericardium being slit. It's impossible for human beings to do that. So those of you who have been involved with witchcraft or demonology before becoming a Christian, don't delve into this stuff from that angle. But be aware that Satan got you before and he's trying to get everybody again. You know the truth. A lot of people do not. You may have even seen things, because I've talked to people who've been involved in witchcraft and stuff, not many, but a few, and believe me, Satan's ready to entertain them. Oh yeah! So, I'm talking to you about that. The Pleiades now is the, is the place where they supposedly come from. Because they used to come from Mars until, of course, we had enough scientific capability to look at Mars, but now we're looking at what they left behind, right? How many people have heard about all of these these channels and all these paths on Mars that they think were there and the buildings now they're saying there were buildings on, on the moon Apollo 13 was it? They, they cut the telemetry but in those days they didn't have digital right? I don't know if they do a digital now there's analog and uh, there, were, there were amateur uh, radio hams picking up the transmissions from the spacecraft and it's documented because I've heard it it's not fake that they were saying that they, there were alien spacecraft on the moon watching them you don't believe it? look it up I think it was Apollo 13. Look it up. And you can get the audio, too. And they say, these babies are huge, sir. And he wasn't talking about moon rocks. 
You have to, you have to know what's going on out there, folks. It's, it's Satan. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of the constellation? What does it say in your Bibles? Hmm, interesting. Oh, this is 1,500 or so years before Christ. How would he know about constellations? Did you ever look up in the sky? You look at the, you can see Orion plainly at night, the belt of Orion, loosing the band. That's what he's talking about, the belt of Orion. Um, if I look at that myself, I wouldn't be smart enough to make up that that was a warrior or some kind of, it doesn't look like, you look at any of the constellations, Leo the Lion and so forth, they don't look like anything. So who made all this up and how did it stick? God did it. He's asking it right, this is from God's lips. We're talking about, not the book of Enoch here, we're talking about Job, okay? So we're back to the absolute truth. The bands of Orion, 32. Can you leave forth the signs of the Zodiac, the Maseroth? Signs of the Zodiac, you know what that's about? It's not astrology, folks. It's not the horoscope. The signs of the Zodiac are all of the constellations and what they are as they rotate, beginning with Virgo and ending with Leo. That's the plan of salvation from the virgin birth through all of these things, through Jacob and Esau, all the way to salvation through the lion of the tribe of Judah. And if you do not know what all of this metaphor means, look at my notes. Key yourself into the beginning of Genesis, or the middle of Genesis almost, when Jacob is dying and he blesses his 12 sons, and he's giving a prophecy about each. And what does he say about Judah? You are a lion's whelp. And the scepter of rulership shall not leave your hands until it comes to whom it belongs. In Leo, it's a crouching lion. Why a crouching lion? Because he's ready to attack. There's a star called Regulus, which means regal. It's called the king's star. And that keeps passing every once in a while through the paws of Leo. The scepter of rulership comes through the paws of the lion of Judah. Watch the constellations, folks. I have in my notes a book that I referenced that was, that was made back in the 1800s by E.W. Bullinger. That's right. Did you have a copy of it? You should get a copy of it. This is nothing new, folks. It may be new to some of us. I'm just bringing it to you. God already, already talked to this about Job. Can you lead forth the Zodiac, the Maseroth in the King James Version? In their season, there are 12 signs, right? Or not 12 signs, there are 12 constellations. And we go through them. The whole year takes a whole year to go through the plan of salvation. By the way, it also takes a whole year to go through the holy days or the appointed times, right? That we know as the Jewish holy days. And I explained all of that in my original notes when we went through the law and the holy days and everything given in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you're interested, go back to volume one of my notes and look it up. You can do word searches. It's a PDF format. Find it. And you'll be able to read all about the holy days and what they mean and how the temple was architected to reflect all of those things, the tabernacle and the temple, as you moved in from the outside into the outer core to the Holy of Holies, you made your way in through the Holy of Holies. It all maps into the seven holy days, and it all points to Jesus Christ coming the first time and the second time and being the propitiation of our sins. And what was the thing, the major thing that happened when Christ died on that cross? The veil covering the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant one was ripped in two, and it wasn't just a little uh, light to, like a veil that you might put as a, as a, as a you know, this, a little, dressing, a little dressing on your window. This was a thick rug-like thing that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. That got ripped in two, opening the way to the Ark of the Covenant. It's all, it's all there. It's all there. From the stars into the temple to all of the, the prophecies in Scripture. It's all there. Guess what? We're going to have to end in a couple minutes here. 
He says here, can you lead forth the signs of the, the Maseroth, or can you guide the stars of the bear and her young? That's Ursa Major, the great bear, and Ursa Minor, the smaller bear, the constellations, two of them in the northern sky. It's interesting. In the King James Version, Arcturus and his sons is mentioned. Arcturus is the region of the north now called Ursa Major, and those constellations are there. In ancient days, it was known also as the fold and the flock. So you see that even in ancient days, after the time of Job, they still had memories, they still had documentation. The Jewish people still knew a lot of these things. And they followed them, and it's reflected in their writings, it's reflected in a lot of their, their, uh, the things that they have left us. So I just wanted to get, you're gonna uh, wrap up with this here. It's the fold of the flock was symbolic of those who will be enjoined into redemption. Verse 33, do you know the ordinances of heaven, Job? Can you establish their rule upon the earth? I'm going to wrap up with that. You know, you, you see what that statement says? Think about what that said. I want you to think of all we discussed from what Enoch said about the ordinances of heaven, how things work, how God is describing this, the pointed question to Job, and he says, finally, after all of that, do you know all of how heavens, the heavens work? The clockwork that I have set in motion, everything of how the physical universe works, how the heavens, how the bodies move. Can you establish their rule upon the earth? Can you make everything that happens in the local solar system, in our local galaxy, the Milky Way, in amongst all of the other galaxies, can you infuse everything that they are and do to make them rule how, how the earth works? Because all of that, I told you, makes this earth tick, doesn't it? Joe's probably, I, 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 no. Anyway, we're going to have to pick up next week. Now we move closer to terra firma, God's mastery over the earth's ecological and biological systems. Have you had enough yet? Because we've got more. Enjoy your God. Be confident in Him. Because He's, he's showing you, and I think, I personally think, we're so close. Maybe, maybe. Why are we in the book of Job now detailing the mind of God and how he creates and how he maintains his creation? Because the thing that I, I'm getting more and more now, and you're probably getting to, is do not fear. Mm -hmm. And this is supporting the fact that no matter what God says, I mean, no matter what is said, no matter what happens, God is in control. And even when Job was fearing, which he was at this point, God even still made it clear, Job, I got it covered. And don't you and I for a moment think that we can second-guess God ever. Now, I know we're always told that. I know we know that. But I do it all the time. I'm going through some hard trials right now that I did not anticipate when I got back from Israel at work. My world has been turned upside down. So I've got to deal with that. But how am I going to do that? Am I going to be rash and make decisions on my own? That's right. I'm going to ask. But I have to wait. Because sometimes I ask God to open that door for me. And when he opens another door, I'll say, well, I still want that door open. You ever make that mistake? That was Job, wasn't it? I want to get to the point, and, and I'm telling you, now more than ever, you better be ready. You better be ready. Let me say it again. You better be ready. Your ears have heard of God up until now. We have to get ourselves, and each, of one, each one of us is responsible ourselves so that we get to the point more and more, as soon as possible, where we can say our eyes now see you. God may be bringing you some, through some things. He may be bringing you through some things soon. He may be bringing us all through some things soon because of what's happening out there. Some of which we talked about last week in detail, and I told you what's coming. You think that that's a lie? You think that that's fake? The only thing I do not know, no one knows, is exactly how this is going to happen. But the heavens are going to be shaken, and soon. 
Mark these words. This earth is going to change. It's already changing. How many fish are dying? How many bees are we losing? How many birds are dying? How many sinkholes are forming in the earth? Do you know what's happening on this earth right now? You ever hear the people who are saying they're hearing all these weird sounds all over the world? Has anybody heard this? Let me tell you. There's video of all, from all points in the world, almost all points in the world, on YouTube, where you see people with cameras in here are howling and This is not fake, folks. It's the earth outgassing. All of the planets in the solar system are heating up now because of this thing coming in. Science is proving it. NASA is showing that Jupiter is heating up. There are some anomalies in the atmosphere which we have never seen in Jupiter before that we know of. Same thing in Saturn, same thing in the other planets. Every single planet is heating up. The Earth is heating up, and as the core heats, we are start getting outgassing through vents in the Earth that are being made in the crust. That's what's part of these sinkholes and other things. You mark my words, folks, we are at the very doors. And if you don't believe me, and you shouldn't just believe me, I'm warning you to go and look for yourselves. You need to do this research. You need to be ready. Not out of fear, but out of knowing that things are changing more rapidly than you and I may know. So we can look to the Middle East and no war is coming. That's for sure. That may be very soon. That itself will change the way we live. Even if oil goes to two, three hundred dollars a barrel. Even if, even if that. Even if there's a world war. But we got an earthquake coming, folks. I told you about that. Watch. And that won't destroy the whole world. It'll, but wherever it hits, we haven't heard much about Japan, but that's still a disaster. Can you imagine a 9.0 which is scheduled to hit somewhere in the, around March 22nd? Wherever that hits, New Zealand again? Do you realize the flooding and the damage the Christchurch, New Zealand, and Haiti and others, Chile, have not recovered from yet? Japan is now going to shut down all their nuclear reactors from what I understand. And guess who's now going to have to draw on oil? More oil for their power. You think that's not going to change the face of this planet? The economic system? We don't hear this on the news, folks. But this is the stuff that God says. He's storing the, 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 the warehouses for the day of judgment. This is just the beginning. The natural order of things is changing. And it's only because God is allowing it. But not that should we, be, we should be in fear, but be ready. And be close to God. Have a great week. Now that I've said all that, enjoy yourselves. Have a nice week. It dovetails into exactly what we're talking about.